The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. It's July 29th, and I'm happy to be back with you this week. Uh, I'm your host, and you're listening to Good Morning New York here on the Voice American Network. Today, we're talking about the hot Miami real estate market. I can't believe how it's come back, and we're going to talk to somebody who knows it intimately well. The South Florida housing market rebound has been remarkable, but some say this comeback is heavily lopsided. Many ordinary people in South Florida are still underwater. It seems like Miami is a tale of two cities with the luxury market propelling the recovery, but much of the region has wrestled with a sluggish economy, and until recently, a tepid job growth. We're going to talk all about that, and we're going to talk about a a new program on the Bravo Network. And joining me today is Chad Carroll. Chad has just joined the cast of the new franchise show, Million Dollar Listing Miami. Uh, At 29 and only being in the business since 2009, Chad is an executive vice president at Douglas Elliman in Miami and is extremely successful. He'll talk about a successful real estate career and also being selected as a cast member of the new Bravo TV show. Chad, good morning, and welcome to Good Morning New York. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So, listen, before we talk about the show, which we're all interested in, I'd like to start with you know your early days and where you were born and where did you go to school and where did you come from and all of that good stuff. I was originally born in Columbus, Ohio, Midwest boy, and uh, I went to school at Hofstra, Long Island. I played golf for them. And I uh, realized that wasn't the career path I wanted to go into, and then got immediately into real estate. So golf wasn't doing it. So Long Island. So um, you spent four years, I guess, at Hofstra, and you were uh, competitively um, playing sport? Yeah. Was, uh, you know, growing up, my dream was to be a professional golfer. I was always traveling around and playing in junior tournaments all around the country. And um, you know, I, I loved every minute of it. But, you know, as a profession, it was a very, very tough to make a living. So... Oh, what's what's better to get into the real estate? Everybody loves properties. <laughs> I agree. I'm in it myself. So, how did you get to Miami and end up in real estate? I mean, you can be in in Long Island or anywhere and, and have a a thought or a dream. But how did how did you get to Miami? What was it about the Miami market that was intriguing to you in those you days, know, 2009? You know what what drove me to Miami ultimately was the weather. I was in New York, you know, and I love the spring and summer. But in the wintertime, it just, it just killed me. It killed my, killed my mood, killed everything, you know, my, my ambition. And I just love being out in the warm weather um, and interacting with people. And there's no better place to live. If you like the warm weather, Miami's it. I agree. And also the beach and the ocean and, and the, 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 I call it the casual lifestyle. So you're one of Douglas Elliman's top producing agents in Miami. In a very short period of time, Chad, how did you do that? Yeah, it's it's been remarkable. You know, I moved down to Miami. I didn't know a single person. 
and I built my you know career up from from the ground, uh, networking constantly seven days a week, twenty four hours a day. I literally sleep about this and have dreams about real estate. And uh, you know it evolved very very quickly, and I couldn't be more grateful for that. And uh, yeah, it's, over the past three years, I've been Douglas Elliman, uh, Miami's top broker, which has been just incredible. And my sales have been doubling every single year. Yeah, uh, clearly. And, you know, you have, I guess, in your portfolio, some pro athletes and corporate executives as clients. How do you actually find your clients? You know, we'll talk about the show in a second. But, you know, back to the, the core of, of, you know, your livelihood. How do you find and I and I have this these questions for myself as well as a broker here. How do you find your clients? And how do you find the higher higher end clients? I mean, I do a lot of charity events. I do a lot of networking. I attend every event I possibly can. Um, when it comes to athletes, you know, I was in that that world at one time, and uh, you know, I used my connections, uh, you know, to get back into that. And you know, and then a lot of people are finding me now. You know, I'm breaking record after record, and um, you know, people want to work with somebody who's done some business in their area, and I've. Pretty much covered every single area throughout South Florida. Yeah, you seem to be quite successful, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So let's get to the the show. So you know, you got the opportunity to be cast uh, in Million Dollar Listing Miami, which is uh, a new show about four or five episodes into the season. What was the process by which you were picked? But did you actually seek this out, or was this something that they came to you for? No, they came to me. You know, they I. Obviously, built a very uh, you know good name for myself here, and you know I met with the producers, and it was a done deal. What you seemed so comfortable in front of the camera? How you know without any prior TV experience? How how do you do this? I mean, it seems easy, but I know it's not. But you seem very comfortable in front of the camera. I mean, at, you know, at, at first it was really really difficult. You know, to have cameras following you around on a daily daily basis, your personal life, and all that stuff. And but then after like a month, month and a half, I just forgot that they were even there. You know, I just went along with you know doing whatever I was going to do, and just completely forgot that they were there. They became you know just a part of my daily life. How long is the shooting season? Because I know I think here in New York, uh, one of the guys was telling me it's about eight or nine months, and they they, they literally follow you around throughout your day, personal business, et cetera. Is it about that long, nine months of shooting? Yeah, it was, it was about eight or nine months. <clears throat> and the reason for that is because real estate deals take a long time. So they got to capture, you know, the start to the finish of the deal. And deals don't, you know, some deals happen overnight, but, but typically they don't. And it's a long process. And they want to make sure that they capture the real, the real deal so they can show the world, you know, how it's really done. So just for the listening audience, you know, who may not be familiar with the way TV works, so, you know, you're correct in what you say, you know, a deal can take, you know, three to four months. How is it, though, that, you know, you can jump from one scene to the next scene to one deal? Does it get a little confusing, you know, for everybody involved when you're trying to follow a particular deal? Because in real estate, you know, our meetings vary, you know, we can not touch a deal for three days and then come back to it a month later or whatever. How, you know, how do you do that for television? I mean, it's really... Of course. I mean, during the show, you'll see, I mean, you, we showcase, you know, a few of my deals. Last year, I did 58 deals. Uh, obviously, you know, within eight episodes, they can't cover all, all 58 deals. Um, so they, you know, they follow me around and they, and they pick and choose, of, you know, what deals they're going to cover because there's, 
it's just there's not enough time to cover every single deal out there. Yeah, I agree. What do, so what is the luxury marketplace like these days in Miami? I mean, we hear about all these comebacks. We hear about uh, the fact that Miami is now a strong or a second New York once again. How is a luxury market doing compared to the other sectors of the marketplace? I mean, the medium home, home sales price has gone up 14% from quarter two of, of 13 to quarter two of 14. And in the luxury market, it's even gone up more than that. It's actually incredible. Uh, you know, home, uh, home, luxury home price sales are at a record high, and they're continuing to increase. The absorption rate is phenomenal. I mean, the inventory is just being eaten up left and right. It's hard to keep a good property on the market today. So the selling cycle is, you know, uh, what, 30 days or less? I mean, here in New York, you know, if the property is priced correctly – uh, because we have such a limited inventory, you know, we're selling things in first day open houses or certainly within mm-hmm. a week. Is that happening in Miami as well? It, it is. It's not quite 30 days, but uh, within 60 days, the absorption rate, which is incredible for Miami when you had properties at one point being on the market for, you know, for 180 days, you know, 240, 360, you know, and, and now we're down to, you know, 60 or below, which is it's pretty incredible. So, you know, I was looking at the uh, <clears throat> the Miami Herald the other day, and it seems the recovery is basically at the luxury level. But what about – can you talk a little bit about the middle and lower class housing? Is, has that recovered as quickly or if at all uh, compared to the luxury market? Because Miami, just like New York and just like, you know, anywhere else, has multiple different levels of classes of housing and people. So how is the, the lower or the middle class uh, doing in the Miami area? The middle class has actually caught up substantially over the past 8 to 12 months. Uh, banks are starting to lend. Uh, interest rates are still low. And the prices have increased, which have been shown in the numbers from quarter two of the, the medium home sales, and that's you know the middle class. They've, they've increased 14% year over year, uh, which is a, a huge, huge jump. It's, it's double to triple what a typical increase should be. So that alone could tell you that, that the market is, is strong and moving in the right direction. And indications uh, seem to be that it continues to, to be strong as it is here in New York. Although I will tell you, you know, here in the, in the Manhattan marketplace, this summer we've experienced a little bit of a slowdown, not, not anything tragic, but a little bit of a slowdown. And people are attributing that to uh, the fact that for the past year or more, we have been so hot and so on fire that buyers are just kind of taking a, a backseat a little bit because they don't want to be in that madness of bidding wars and over-asking prices and all of that stuff. So they're just kind of taking a little bit of a cooling-off period. Uh, and again, also with a limited inventory, um, they're concerned that they can't really find anything. Do you see any of that in Miami at this time, this particular summer? You know, this summer has been my busiest time of the year. The past three months, I have seen more demand than I did in the in the previous nine months. And uh, I think that there's a lot of, I think that's due to a lot of the international demand uh, and influx of, of money coming in into Miami. Um, people now not only want to be in Miami for the winter months, but the summer month, the year-round destination place. Well, I wanted to ask you that because recently Miami ranked among the world's top 10 cities alongside London, uh, New York, etc., um, according to a report from Christie's. 
why is that? What, what, what about Miami again is so, you know, fantastic? What, why, why is the world wanting to come to Miami and invest again? Is it I mean, because have, of the weather? There's, there's numerous reasons. I mean, you have the beach, the lifestyle component, which you see a lot of on the show as well, you know, and we showcase what Miami has to offer. But, you know, you're also, you know, having the arts and the science museum that are opening up and just all these little things. And you have Brickle, which is becoming this little uh, Soho and, um, you know, I guess for the, and the South Americans love it. There's, there's just so many different little areas in Miami that are just becoming appealing to, to everyone. Yeah, I could listen. I agree. The, the the lifestyle on the beach and the weather, <clears throat> and certainly what we see and what's depicted on the show is very intriguing to most of us. Um, how easy though is it to begin a real estate career in Miami in these in this particular marketplace? I mean, I know it's very hard here in New York. Is it equally difficult in Miami? It was ex- extremely extremely hard to begin a career my career in in Miami. You know, not Miami is a very close knit community. And there's 18,000 brokers just in Miami-Dade alone competing. 18,000? Yeah, wow. just in Miami-Dade, just competing for the same. They're all competing for the same listings. Yeah. And to set yourself apart and what makes you different from the rest of these people, why hire, why hire Chad Carroll when there's 18,000 other people that they could hire? Um, and how do you get in front of these people? You know, and these are the challenges that I, you know, that I had to face until – you know, I still, I still, on a daily basis, still have to face some of these challenges, but it's just not as much because I have my name out there now, and uh, and they know the work that I do, and they know that I that I follow through and get the deal done. But at first, it was extremely hard, and what set me apart from the rest is my work ethic. I work harder than anybody else out there. If you call me at eleven o'clock at night, I'm answering my phone. I'm checking my emails immediate and writing back immediately. There's nothing that I won't do for a client. Well, that's the way you have to be in this business. I, I, I can certainly see that as I watch you go through um, the, your deals on, on the television program. And I know how I work here in New York. And the only way to stay above all of it is to do just that. Chad, we're going to come back in a minute. We have to take a break. But first, you're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at bluerealtygroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco 
at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back with Chad Carroll, superstar agent in Miami and star of Bravo TV's new million-dollar listing, Miami. So, Chad, you know, it seems that overseas money is pouring into the Miami real estate market like here in New York. Are these are these buyers just buying, you know, uh, investment properties? Are they inv- uh, interested in new developments like we have here or are they just kind of purchasing across the board? What what do you see coming in from overseas money? You know, at first I saw a lot of international money coming in just prim- just to buy investment properties. Um, and now I'm seeing a transition. Not only are they buying investment properties, but, but they're buying second homes. And a lot of them are transforming those second homes into, into primary residences because they love it so much in Miami. It's incredible. The feedback that I'm getting from everybody is how much Miami has changed, how much they love it here, how much they love the weather, the restaurants, the beaches, you know, and everything that Miami is becoming. It's really an amazing international destination spot. You know, I know Miami for many years, and, and, and it's gone through so many you know transitions, and I agree with what you just said. I think today Miami is something that it even it really never was. I mean, it, it's, it's come so far. Uh, just back to let's, – let's talk about you know, 2007, 2008, you know, when, when the market was booming in 2006 and 2007, and all of a sudden everything blew up. And I remember people saying to me, well, you know, I, I invested in, the, in this condo in Miami. The building is vacant. I'm afraid to close. I don't know what to do. And buildings, you know, were standing there vacant for years and years and years. How did that, obviously it transitioned into success, but what, you know, how do these buildings stay empty for so many years and how do they eventually get sold and closed? What happened to make that happen? Confidence. Confidence in the marketplace is what, you know, made that transition from, you know, all these developers sitting on thousands and thousands of units, um, to, to people actually, you know, acquiring them. People saw the potential that, that Miami has. I mean, it, it was booming, you know, five, six, you know, 2005, six, seven, and people knew that that, you know, as the economy started to get better, that Miami was going to come back. And when you look at what cities rebounded the quickest, Miami was at the top of that list. You know, Miami, yeah. New York, those cities rebounded extremely quick. And when it comes to the luxury sector, Miami skyrocketed. It went from, you know, 10 to 110 very, very quickly. You know, a few months ago, I read that there were over 118 condo towers proposed to be built in Miami, including 35 that were already under construction. So it seems to me there's a continuing market for these buildings and these units. Is that correct? It is. And you know what the most incredible part about that is? is that there's 118 uh, new towers, and the ones that have been launched are almost all sold out. They're selling out so quickly. Before the developers even break ground, they're selling out. That, to me, shows how strong the demand really is. If these developers are able to pre-sell their entire project before it even breaks ground, and it doesn't scare me at all. It's not like 2008 is going to happen again. People are putting down huge deposits, 40, 50 percent. As in 2005, 6, and 7, you could put down as little as 10 to 20 percent. 
there's too much people have too much invested to let these properties go. Developers are smarter. They're not just going to, you know, build a project with a twenty percent deposit. But they're building, you know, with forty, fifty, sixty percent deposit at some at some stages. And that gives them the security, you know, to build and, and to go through with the project. So I think we're going to see a different real estate um, economy, you know, going forward. Well, that speaks to confidence, I think, in the buyers and the confidence that they may have in the developers and in the buildings and in their, their real estate agents such as yourself because, you know, we see a lot of that here in New York as well. And I remember, as you well do, you know, there, there was a time when you couldn't give these, these, these properties away. And the fact that they're putting 40 and 50% down says to me that they're confident that this is going to work. This is here to stay. More importantly, this is here to stay. Let's go back to the show for a minute. You know, you have a great spirit and a great energy. You know, where does that come from? I mean, obviously, you love your job and you explain that you do it, you know, practically 24 by 7 as we all do. But, you know, you've got you to pull that energy from someplace every day, Chad, in this business. So where does it come from for you? I mean, for me, just growing up, I grew up with a family. You know, everybody was doctors and um, my father, my brother, my mother, my sister, everybody – and I just, you know, I had, I grew up with a very good family work ethic and I just, you know, being surrounded by that all my life, I just had this drive to be the best at what I can do. If I do something, I always do it to my fullest potential. And I love dealing with my clients. It's my favorite part of my day. I, I wake up in the morning and I'm happy to go to work. I'm happy when I go to sleep. I'm upset when, when, you know, I don't serve, you know, my, my clients, you know, a deal falls through or something happens, you know, to one, to one of my clients, like they're part of my family and I take it very, very personally. And, and I just, I just love every minute of it. It shows. And I remember a moment on the show a week or two ago where, you know, a housing inspection came back and, and they were asking for a $250,000 credit. You know, we don't deal with that here in New York. And you got so passionate about it and so angry about it and you threw something. I don't remember what it was, but what came through to me in that moment was, you know, you are thinking about your client who, you know, was your seller and and these things do happen and we can't control that stuff. So, you know, we've got to be on top of our game and we have to really understand, you know, why these things happen. But you work through that and it, and it came out successfully. Let me ask you something about competition. You know, are you really competing with Sam and Chris or is this just, you know, for make-believe TV? I mean, because they seem very no, competent I, themselves. I mean, listen, listen, I'm competing with every broker out there. I mean, every broker out there has got something a little different. But when it comes to direct competition, I think the only direct comp- you know, competitor is myself. And... All, and I'm always just pushing myself to to be better and to be the best at what I do. So you know, I don't really you know consider myself to have too much competition out here right now. That's a that, that that's a good answer. Actually, competing with yourself. That's generally what I say to to anybody who asks me about that as well. So tell me, what is the difference you think between uh, the Miami show and Million Dollar Listing New York or L.A.? Because when, when it was being you know, talked about before it premiered, it said it's going to be a very different you know, program. Tell me, in your opinion, what is the difference between these three franchises? I mean, Miami. Gonna, you know, New York and L.A. Uh, franchises are great. But what Miami has to offer is that, this lifestyle component and the things that we do for our clients. In the upcoming episodes, uh, you're going to see what extreme I go to for my clients. And it's, I'm going to showcase everything that Miami has to offer. 
So up to this point, we've given you a taste. So these last few episodes, you're really going to see exactly what I'm talking about, and it's incredible. I mean, the ex- the ex- extreme I go to for my clients to get a deal done is just far past what these other you know franchises have to offer. Well, my next question was going to be, so what, if anything, will be revealed about you uh, on the show this season? I asked this of Luis Ortiz a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and he didn't give me an answer, but as the show unfolded, you know, we, we, we saw exactly what he was referring to. So what's going to be revealed about you this, 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 this season between now and the end of the season? Well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, uh, this, uh, this season you're going to see some, some personal um, evolutions uh, happen in my life as well, which, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a possible, <clears throat> you know, engagement coming up here. And, I'm, I'm uh, waiting for tomorrow. I saw last week's episode. <laughs> and, and, See how that you know that all uh, transpires, and uh, you know this. You know, other than that, you're going to see a lot of amazing deals, um, a lot of amazing properties uh, in the next few episodes, and I think viewers are going to love it. With that said, it's been said that you have the perfect job, a great girlfriend, your own reality show. I mean, is there anything else that you aspire to? Anything else that you would want at this stage in life in your career? It seems to me, Chad, that you've got you've got it all. I feel very, very privileged. I've got an amazing family, friend, girlfriend, and, and you know, and I love everything. I love my job. I love everything. Waking up in the morning, I love doing what I do. So, so very, very blessed, and um, just you know, glad to be here. Yeah. Um, again, it seems like you've got the perfect set, set up and the perfect everything. And, you know, people aspire to that. And people think, you know, they say to me all the time, well, how do you become successful in, in a real estate career? How do you become successful in, you know, doing a radio show or a TV show? And I always say, listen, it's, it's all about how hard you want to work and loving what you do and, and just making it happen. Um, there are yeah. so many obstacles to, to our success if we let it happen, but you just have to work it. And just putting, you know, if you have a goal in mind, and just, you know, doing the necessary things to reach that goal and never giving up. There's been so many times where I'm like, why am I in this business? This is so, you know, where I've worked on a deal for six months and it falls through last minute. And then, you know, you just have to remind yourself that if things happen and you got to rebound and you've got to just keep going after that ultimate goal and it will happen. You know, I, I'm proof of it. You know, I didn't know anybody, and look at look at where I'm at today in my career. If I can do it, anybody can do it. You just need to, you know, stay strong and just just go after your dreams. It's actually pretty remarkable when you think about it, and you know, doing some research on you on the past couple of days and stuff. It's remarkable to see how, you know, uh, and I tell my agents here in New York as well. You, you didn't know anyone. You came into a marketplace for a whole variety of reasons, and you made it work in a very short period of time. And during a period of time when real estate in your marketplace in Miami was not doing well at all. Let me ask you about the Hamptons. Have you been to the Hamptons yet this summer? You were up here, you said, last week or whatever. Did you get out to the, to the beach at all here? I was actually in the Hamptons over the July 4th weekend. How do you compare that to the Miami marketplace? It's fairly similar, but yet fairly not. It is, but it isn't. I mean, you have, you know, the... The uber wealthy people wanting to go uh, and, and indulge in that lifestyle, but it's it's a little more laid back than Miami. Miami's got that that entertainment uh, nightlife aspect to it 
that the Hamptons, you know, just doesn't have. Correct. It also ha- it also has got that little sexy flair to it, and beautiful people walking around in bikinis all day long. So you know, it's, <laughs> I don't I don't know, you know, it's they're both amazing places, and I love to I love to go to the Hamptons. You know, I love to go to L.A. and um, and I love to, uh, of course, be in, in Miami, but it's just a, it's a completely different feel. All right, listen, we're coming up to the end here. So my last question to you is, so what's next for Chad Carroll? I mean, all this tr- phenomenal success, and we continue to wish that for you, but what's next for you? Continuing to do what you do? Well, yeah, yeah I've got a, you know, I'm, I'm moving into the development uh, stage and uh, soon to be developing my own properties and condo towers here in Miami. So I'm really looking forward to that and uh, expanding, you know, my my real estate career, my passion, and uh, and dream to be one of you know the best uh, developers in the country. And maybe we'll see tomorrow night an engagement ring. You might. You got to tune in nine o'clock tomorrow <laughs> night, and make sure that uh, everybody follows me on Twitter and Instagram at Chad Carroll, M I A, to follow all my latest updates and new properties. Chad Carroll, MIA, you got it. Chad, thank you so much. I wish you continued success, and we look forward to the rest of the season of Million Dollar Listing Miami. Come back and talk to us again real soon. Well, dude, thank you so much for having me. All right, we'll be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back. I want to say thank you once again to Chad Carroll from Bravo TV's Million Dollar Listing Miami Great show, just started, but it's a, a show I think worth watching. And Chad, uh, Chad's pretty spectacular at what he does, and awesome and, and very spectacular, uh, successful in what he's doing. So, cheers, and uh, we'll be watching. So, joining me now, we're going to talk about hot topics as we do every week. Are my panel: Niall Lundgren, Deborah Hoffman, Parul Brombat, and Rachel Altshuler. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Vince. So, buyers of brand new condos in New York City. Uh, always have a lot of questions to ask, and and for the right reasons. You know, a new condo building certainly has its appeal. 
from sensible layouts to high-end appliances, pristine lobbies, and you know many, many of the, the spectacular amenities that come with these places. But of course, the perks don't always come cheap. In fact, new development condos sold for $2 million more than existing apartments in the second quarter of this year, and that, according to appraisal firm Miller Samuel. Not only will you pay a premium to buy a new condo, you'll also take a risk on the unknown and untested, especially if you commit well before your place gets built. To boost your chance of getting what you pay for and head off any nasty surprises, you should ask the following questions. Now, my panel here has all had experience selling new developments and certainly many years of selling resale apartments. So I want to just ask a couple of questions, guys, because these are, these are a bunch of questions that you know most buyers ask. Some don't, and then they get caught up when they realize you know, that some things aren't going their way. So, for example, you know, when, when a buyer is um, – looking at an offering plan, you take them to a sales office, they need to know the exact plan for the building. Why, why is that important? I mean, we can all love an apartment, we can all love the price, or it fits in our price point, whatever, but is it important for them to know the exact plan for the building? And what should that plan be? Niall, any, question, any comment on that? Yeah, I mean, I think always it's important to have your attorney review it. You know, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert in offering plans, but I have a I have a team of attorneys. If one, you know, if the buyer doesn't like one, they have another. Um, but you know, it's really important to just understand what kind of you know operating costs um, generally that the building has, whether it be utilities or um, just overall performance of the building. It's it's very important um, to understand not only what's happening today, but you know what's going to happen down the line, whether it's a 421A tax abatement, you know, when is that going to expire, et cetera. Yeah, and you want to make sure that the construction details, again, none, and none of us are, are, are expert in these kinds of things, and that's where our attorneys come in, but we want to understand from a construction perspective what's happening. By the way, you know, does the building have retail? Some people don't want to live in a building where there's going to be a restaurant or, or, or any kind of a, a store on the lower level for a variety of reasons. So, yeah, I think the, the plan also gives accountability because consumer confidence is a lot harder in new development. And that plan, we call it the Bible, it's everything, um, or a prospectus, is, is uh, you know, 200 pages of information that the attorney needs to read in order for the buyer's not going to sign without the offering plan. So it's, it's really the most important document you can do and have in hand for new development. Rachel, let me ask you a question because I know you've done a lot of new developments as I have. In your opinion, how many, how many purchasers or buyers, not attorneys, are actually looking at this offering plan, which as you said could be two to 300 pages long? And, and, and if they are few. looking at Yeah, very few. And it's actually surprising that most buyers don't even think to read it themselves. They trust their attorney, which is fine. Um, but there's information in there that they may catch that the attorney doesn't find. And it's something about, you know, like Niall said, I mean, the square footage of the apartment, the tax abatement, are there closing costs that weren't uh, told by the sales agent? There's mm-hmm. just so much in there. And um, it, unfortunately, in the New York City market, buyers have to move so quickly, sometimes five to seven business days, that there, there really is no time to read a 200-page offering plan. To add to what Rachel's saying, I think that it's also really interesting to, I mean, I, I think that a lot of times buyers don't know which attorney to use. 
And I think that that is a major key component. I mean, people want to use the attorney who is their friend or who isn't even a real estate attorney sometimes or a real estate attorney in New Jersey or somewhere else. And, you know, it's just there's some very specific New York City guidelines um, in terms of construction, building, and, you know, what is permissible, what is not. And, and offering plans are very specific to the city. One of my biggest recommendations is because um, this is something that's a well not not as well as known as a fact as it should be is ask the the sales office agents and see if there are specific attorneys that are extremely familiar with this specific new development because what happens is those attorneys have looked at the offering plan you know front to back have read every single paragraph and you know it, it's not about because a lot of times you're not going to want to trust an attorney that's getting recommended to you from the sales office, given you're the buyer. But to ask the exact opposite is actually true um, because the sales office tends to actually know the attorneys that are most familiar with the building. And I think that's a great resource uh, to make sure that you, you know the offering plan inside and out. Well said. And I, and, I, and I worry sometimes because I've done, again, a lot of deals in new development. And sometimes, and even though a, a lot of attorneys will read cover to cover, some of them just skim through important sections and then, you know, things can pop up, you know, before closing and you've got a whole bunch of drama. But in, in any event, here's another question. Why is it important for the purchaser, the buyer of a new condo development to know the track record of the developer? Why is that important? Well, one of the things that is really important is to know that a developer knows what he's doing and is also going to create a great product um, because <clears throat> they're, they're, you know, not all construction is created equal for sure. And um, you want to make sure that a developer is the type of developer who not only has experience but has a track record of creating product that is solid and isn't just... I mean, we really do. It's like I think that... Uh, brokers ourselves, as brokers, we should know to be able to walk into a building and understand when a building is sort of flimsily built versus not. However, in new development, when you're buying off of a plan, you really don't know what sort of construction quality you're going to get, and the developer's reputation is paramount. I agree with Perul. In addition, I've been working lately with a developer who's done a lot of projects in Los Angeles and Atlanta, and this is their first entrance into the New York market. And the developer's very surprised at all the different permits, all the different things they have to do, thinking it's going to be like the rest of the country. And the way this could affect buyers buying from floor plans is that the time limit, when when will it be finished? You know, when will things be shipped with the right permits, uh, different finishes? Will the apartment be ready to occupy when the offering plan says it will be? Well, that's always a million-dollar question, especially in in, in, uh, new development. Timeline for completion. I mean, that's a biggie. Uh, And, you know, listen, uh, I always tell people when when I'm selling a new development, if they say you're going to close in June, prepare for a September, October, maybe even November close because (laughs) – things happen and you just can't yep. count on it. It's, it's difficult. Having the closing cost be confirmed in the offering plan. And, and you know, it's, it's not a matter of, you know, the actual expenses at the closing table, but things like the developers will sometimes pass on unexpected expenses to the buyer, including 
the cost of the super's apartment, for example, the building's insurance costs for the first year, attorney's fees, buyers always pay the sponsor's attorney's fees. These things are all outlined in the offering plan and very important. And sometimes, you know, I've had buyers come back to me and say, well, why am I paying, you know, the cost of the seller's attorney or the, or the sponsor's attorney? And I'd say, did you read the offering plan? Did your attorney explain to you that in new development, this is what goes on? The sponsor passes on as many costs as he can get away with to the purchaser. That's his right and his prerogative. And again, as Rachel said, you know, and, and a couple of you said, the, the, the offering plan, I mean, it's the Bible and it's really what leads the entire process of purchasing a new development. It's unbelievable. Um, so here's another one. How about concessions from the developer? Do they have to give concessions? Do they not have to? And what's that about? Everybody wants something, right? Everybody wants a deal in this town. Concessions are most popular at the beginning stages and at the end stages. So in the middle, a buyer has a harder time getting that uh, transfer tax covered by the sponsor or free uh, storage, free parking. But it's really important that a buyer and or their broker understand that you must ask for it. It's not going to be offered. So that's a really important point and that that comes with, you know, the buyer's education or working with a really good broker that is savvy with new development. That's a good point, Rachel, because it's never going to be offered by the developer as all of us know. But let me ask you something. You mentioned in the beginning and at the end. Let's talk about the end for a minute. Why at the end of a selling process would a, a developer offer concessions? And for the listening audience who doesn't understand, you know, Manhattan new development process, why is it important at the end of the selling stage? Sure. Um, the beginning is the first 15% to declare the offering plan effective uh, by the AG, the Attorney General. And that is a big, big target to hit. Once you hit that, you could increase prices, you can do amendments, and the sponsor can increase the pricing. And towards the end, if you're, let's say, 85 or 90% sold, they want to finish the project, sell the remaining units, and move on to the next project. That's that's pretty much what it comes down to at the end. It's they want to sell off the last couple of units that they have and the only way they can do that is to to agree. And oh, you know, listen, I've been on development sites where the developers even at that stage says, I'm not in a hurry to sell the last three units. Why do I have to make concessions? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in this in that case, um the it's like Rachel said, you know, since the prices have increased maybe three, four, five, six times by the time that you've gotten to the end of the sales of the building, that the buyers know that they're paying much more than the people who got in at even 25 or 30% sold, uh, purchased their apartment at, that having sort of a little bit of something that sweetens that higher price range is also something that drives a developer to sort of just give a little extra at the end because ultimately they're really making a lot more um, in, in terms of price per square foot. Well, yeah, and price increases as amendments come out and new developments are, you know, extraordinary. And, you know, uh, seeing, you know, first amendment to amendment 10, in one case I had, I think, uh, 23 amendments. And the, price, and the, and the yeah. prices go up. And it's, it's, it's amazing that at the end you have to sit there as the on-site, you know, sales director and argue with the, with the sponsor about giving, you know, transfer tax or paying mansion tax. I mean, it's, it's pennies to them, but I guess it's just the principle and For it them, it's it important to keep the prices up. So, uh, you know, strategy is always keep the asking price and give the concession mm-hmm. because they need to appraise and buyers want to know if you're buying the second floor that the third, fourth, and fifth needs to be a higher number. It just 
that's mm-hmm. fair to the buyers and it works for the sponsor too. All right, let's hold it right there, guys. We have to take a break. But first, you're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back with Niall, Deborah, Perul, and Rachel, and we're talking about hot topic this week is purchasing in new condo development here in New York. And when buyers do so, there are a certain amount of questions that they should be asking in addition to their attorneys reviewing uh, offering plan, which is a very important what we call Bible uh, in this process. There are other things that a purchaser and their attorney need to be aware of. So let's for a minute, guys, talk about you know tax abatements. You know why is that important? And obviously, it 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 is because it drives, I believe, probably ninety percent of the purchasers out there towards new developments. Tax abatements. What about? Well, I think, I think the most important thing to understand about tax abatements is that almost well, specifically four twenty one eight abatements. Um, generally, when the buyer walks into a sales office. Um, I would say eight out of ten times, the sales agent simply says, uh, you know, there's there's a 10-year tax abatement or a 15- or a 25-year tax abatement on this building. What they don't explain many times, and, and frankly, I'm sort of surprised a lot of times that the buyer's brokers may not know this, is that uh, the abatement uh, steps up, and it steps up by 20% of the final projected amount of the purchase price. In other words, when a lot of times what people misunderstand is this idea that um, they think it's 20% more from what they're paying initially, and it goes up by 20% every two years. So first of all, it's good to know that there will be a step-up process in most tax 421 A's where the, the, the abatement goes up by, by a percentage every two years. But it's important to understand that it's Basically, it goes by 20, 40, 60, 80, and 100 percent of the projected amount of the full taxable in uh, the full taxable amount at the end of the, the abatement process itself. Yeah, that that's very important because in a 421A, 
for example, it goes up 20% every two years until it maxes out in year 10. And, you know, a lot of people are concerned about that because, you know, you may be getting into a new development at a lower monthly outlay, but it's important to know 10 years from now or even five years from now, what is that, what is that tax bill going to be every month in addition to my common charges? And can I afford that, you know, hopefully with the cost of living increases that everybody gets, you know, every year, uh, can I can I afford that five years from now, seven years, or ten years from now? So 421A has a lot of meaning to first get into a building because you can afford the lower monthlies, and then you got to be careful and watch out how it it escalates because uh, it can get to a steep number in year ten. Let's talk about you know if if the building is already you know these days we're back to selling off of floor plans and a sales office and the market is hot again, so people are enthusiastic. Uh, or as Chad was talking about in Miami, confident in the new development buildings down there because the market has changed. It has changed back again here in New York where um, they're buying off floor plans. But let's take an example where a building is completed and a developer and his sales team has a model office, you know, a model home rather, model apartment for people to view. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? And what are people's impressions, people being purchasers, buyers, when they come through a model home? I think it's always good for the uh, the buyers to just go and touch and feel and see the uh, specific um, the finishes of, that the unit's going to have. Obviously, it's it's hard sometimes for buyers to visualize exactly how it's going to look um, with the layout and you're know, looking at a floor plan and then you know looking at the finishes of the kitchen. It, sometimes it's a little difficult, but in general, it, it's good for them to at least get in there and touch and feel um, the finishes that are going to be there. On the heels of that, uh, good point, uh, Niall, but on the heels of that, let me, let me ask a question. So does the design always fit the individual's lifestyle? For example, if, if I'm a person who wants to buy a new development and I walk into a model home or, or a sales office where there's a mock kitchen and whatever, and I just don't like modern contemporary stuff, I'm sort of like an old-fashioned you know, pre-war person, will that turn me off or will that just say to me, all right, well, so this is brand new, this is you know, everything that it's cracked up to be, but it just may not be my style? How do you work around that? Or, well, do buyers work around that? Well, I think we talked about this last week, Vince, when yeah. I, I, I mentioned the developer that had put uh, high-end finishes in, and then you know, he came to find out that the buyers just ripped out the finishes and put their own um, you know, the customized you know, finishes in. So you know, it, it really depends, but you know, it, it, most of the time the buyer, if they're buying in a new condo you know, and they want a specific thing, it might not even really matter, and they'll just put their own, uh, own finishes in. So it, it really depends. Niall's right, or if you're working with an investor and they just want something that's going to get them the highest price point in a rental, and they realize that this is attractive to most people, it may not be attractive to them, but they want to see the high quality so they can get the highest amount in a rental. I, I agree. Here's a question, okay, and, then, and I've, I've come across this multiple times when <clears throat> selling a new development. Can I get a mortgage? So a buyer comes in, they like the price, they like the finishes, they like the model home, they like everything. I want a contract sent to my attorney. So my question is to them, can you get a mortgage? Oh, of course I can get a mortgage. All right, well, are you pre-approved? Well, not just yet. So why is it important before you come into New York? And again, this is for the listening audience out there who's not necessarily you know, schooled with the New York uh, selling process. Why is it important when a buyer comes in to have a pre-approval before you get to the sales office because these questions will be asked and a contract will be sent out and expected to be signed within five to seven days. Do they even know if they can get a mortgage? 
And why do they think that they don't have to in in this particular – and we're going on the assumption that it's a finance deal, not a cash deal. A lot of times, buyers who are pre-approved don't understand that new development is a different animal. And so the important thing to understand is that at the beginning of a building launch, so if building it doesn't have a CFO or isn't about 25 or 30% in contract, uh, if it is not a proven or a pre-approved building by a bank, um, banks are going to be hesitant to find uh, that project because, as you mentioned earlier in your conversation with Chad about the Miami real estate and sort of what happened when the market took a downturn, is that there were these units that just sat around for the longest time, and there were these buildings that just sat around vacant. Um, when that happens, if a bank has already agreed to finance, and you know, in some way, in certain senses, if there were um, buildings that had the ability to close on some of these units, the banks don't want to take on that liability. Um, but as the building is either approved or as it progresses forward in its sales cycle. Um, it's at that point that uh, financing gets easier. You know, we talked about this just a little while ago when you brought up the, the move in. <clears throat> so the question always I used to get is when can I move in? In a new development, it could be, you know, 12 to 18 months before the building is ready to close from the time that you went in, took a contract out and signed it. While the sponsor can give you a target date, even the most experienced developer, you know, can run over schedule and, and deliver, you know, five, six months later. That's happened to me. How do we get around that? And are people who are buying a new development prepared for this? Because this is this is a big one. I mean, when can I move in is is really a big one. Yeah, this is all about managing your expectations and um, and having an attorney make sure that the drop dead date, which is the the day they can get out of the contract, usually it's about a year after they sign the contract. Um, you know, there are things that are really important. Most importantly, manage the buyer's expectations. Um, another thing just to mention about the lending um, that I want to point out is the contingency. And it's really important to speak to the sales agent to know who the preferred lender is. And if you go through that preferred lender, will you be able to have the mortgage contingency for the contract? A very important point. Um, mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, you know, we're, we're running out of time, but just one last one. Can I rent out my apartment? What are the rules? You know, these are, these are questions that, again, buyers who come in, certainly for investors, what are the rules with renting out apartments in new developments? Is this allowed? This is another reason why the Bible becomes very important, to quote Rachel. Um, it, that information is always in the offering plan, and sometimes you will not be able to rent out an apartment for a year. Um, and for investors, especially, you know, all the foreign investment that we're seeing, um, that's a very important question to be answered um, prior to them purchasing. All right, guys. Thank you. So um, we want to talk about uh, last week we had some technical difficulty here in the studio and our show was canceled, but we are and we played a repeat. But next week we're going to bring that show back. I quote, if you are not standing out, then you are blending in when people know what you stand for know who you are and what makes you memorable, then you are creating a real estate practice with a consistent flow of income. You will love what you do because you'll be aligned with what makes you feel good. This is a quote from Dawn Doherty, our guest next week. She's a certified business development coach whose programs have helped hundreds of professionals create financial freedom for themselves while living their best life. 
who doesn't want to be more successful and who doesn't want to make more money. So let's look forward to that show next week. Thank you to everybody today, Chad Carroll and my esteemed panel. Until next time, thank you for joining me. I will look forward to being with you next Tuesday morning at 9 Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, live on the Variety Channel here on Voice America. You can always catch the show later in the day on podcast or go to our website, voiceamerica.com. Remember, you can tweet the show at Vince Rocco and find me on Facebook. Thanks again, everybody, and have a great week. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. We'll be right back.